Blessed be the name of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Good morning to each and every one of you. It's good to see you. It's nice to see y'all still coming in. And I want to say welcome. If you're visiting with us this morning, as you fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you, so we can uh, have a record of your visit. Just place it in the offering place to come around. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well. As you consider being right here in the sanctuary with us and worship and experience what God is doing at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. Well, with that being said, let's talk a little bit about what's happening at RABC today. As you probably know, and if you've got the emails in there, we're going to not have any afternoon or evening services. Instead, we're going to meet right back here at 1 o'clock inside the uh, parking lot right there, and we're going to drive out to Waco where we're going to have a full circle speaker named Edward Medecki. And now Edward received a Operation Sister Child shoebox many years ago, and he's going to testify what that shoebox did. As you probably know, uh, Operation Sister Child is a very big ministry here at Robertson Avenue. We support it quite a bit. We do a lot with it each year. And so we get a chance to see what one of those two boxes did. And so here in a minute, when we have our video, you'll get the chance to, to see Edward and see and hear his voice. And so if you want to come see him in person, join us this afternoon. We're going to leave out at 1 o'clock. We'll be up there at church about 3 in Waco. Listen to him speak there. And then if you wish to stay after his speaking, they'll have a special packing party of those two boxes. And so you can help pack there as well if you choose to do so. All right. So that reminds us to go ahead and put it out there. There is no evening services because of the full circle speaker. And let me encourage you to come and be a part of that. The 30-year special Operation Sister Child event. All right. I uh, don't want you to forget, though, that Monday night we'll still be having Experience with God. It's o'clock in room 103. Don't forget, our Wednesday night services will pick up the same as usual. We'll have our... Bible study right here in Sanctuary at 6.30, followed with our prayer service as well. And don't forget men's uh, Bible study Thursdays at 6.30. Well, if you missed out, though, on men's prayer breakfast Sunday morning, you missed out on a blessing. Not only was the breakfast good, but the spiritual food was good. Amen? It was a blessing. And so you need to come and be a part of that. We're going to have that again in August. I want to encourage you to come and be a part of men's prayer breakfast. It's going to be 7 a.m., in August, and you say, what date is it? Third Saturday, but I don't know which one that is this year. So we're on that third Saturday time frame, and uh, it'll be out uh, earlier in August. So, all right. I think that's it for our upcoming announcements, unless I've forgotten something that you may have. Yes.
they're going to, and they will return Saturday. So there's a lot of you parents right now that are praising God. So be in prayer for them. It's a wonderful time. And let me tell you, it's been a long time since Rock Saturday sent some, some campers out to youth camp. So this is a blessing and it's a praise. And um, I cannot wait to see what God does with it. Every year when those kids come back, they're on fire. And they've had a whole week of being around godly people, doing godly things. It's at youth camp that preachers are made, deacons are made, Sunday school teachers are made. So please be in prayer for our youth as they go out and youth camp. Please be in prayer for Brother Darius and Sister Naya as they take them out this week. They're the ones who really need prayer. Amen? All right. Uh, last but not least, though, uh, the church secretary position has been filled. Thank you for your prayers in that. Thank you for... Uh, yes! Yes! Amen! Thank you for that, for your patience in that. Uh, I want you to know that we've had a wonderful volunteer, Sister Stephanie Maley. She has done an excellent job in that. She'll be helping to train our new uh, recruit here soon. So let's give Stephanie a round of applause. Thank you, Stephanie. Could not have made it without you, and that is the truth. And, but the uh, admin team and myself have sat down, and we've settled on an applicant. And so I'm going to ask her to stand up for us in just a second. It's a DJ Lowe. Congratulations. Congratulations. She is our new church secretary. She starts tomorrow. By all means, call at 9 a.m. Any one of them. Woo, praise God. Incidentally, I'll be stepping out of the office at that time. <laughs> Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And after we pray, would you please rise and welcome one another. Father God, we come to you now in Jesus' name. Oh, how we thank you for this day. Let today be a day, Lord, in which we just lay down any of our cares, any concerns, anything, Father God, we come between us and you, and let us worship you this morning. May we give you our full hearts, Lord. May we give you every bit of us. And I pray, Lord, that you pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord, that we might receive you, Lord, that we might worship you, and that we might worship you in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father God, that today be the day we break forth in the revival, that there be renewal and repentance, Lord. Open our hearts to hear from you, Lord, that today be that blessing. Be with those who are out traveling. Be with those, Father God, who can't be with us today because they're not feeling well. Let them know they're loved and they're prayed for. Bring them safely back to us. And I pray, Father God, they be one, just one. We just think of your personal Lord and Savior that today be that day. And we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory, even now, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Y'all please rise and welcome one another.
If you would, please start making your way back to your seats. We do have a short Operation Christmas Child video I'd like for you to see. My name is Edouard Mbeki, and I'm from Senegal.
beautiful. My goodness, Robert Sanders has no short Have your Bibles with you. Come to please the prophet Isaiah. What a blessing, Brother Mario. What a blessing. Amen. As our young people step out. Seems so empty, doesn't it? And they step out. Sure, you missed them already. The title this morning's message is Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home. Beginning in Isaiah 66. What does the word home mean to you? If you were asked that question this morning, you think you could answer that? I think I could. I could answer it with place where my family is. That's how most of us would. Some of us, though, have served with great honor across the seas in the United States military. And home was a tank. A home was a helicopter. A home was a familiar operations base. Home was anywhere that took you out of harm's way. What does the word home mean to you? Perhaps you've sang that little song before. I know I have. It ever so humble. There's no place like home. Y'all weren't singing with me about that. Oh, goodness gracious. You say, well, you're not Brother Mario, God. There's no doubt God has made me a preacher and not a singer. <laughs> if I had a flute, it'd be on, right? Amen. Oh, goodness. What does the word home mean? you. It's amazing to me that the word home can mean so many different things. mean a lot of things when we talk about home. Remember when you were a child how home could refer to when we're talking about games like hide and go seek, home base. Do you remember that? Do you remember when you were playing sports and going home and baseball was home plate? Do you remember when the streetlights came on? You better get yourself home. <laughs> you better remember those things. Times are so different. People are different. Home now is wherever you hang your hat. And then, of course, we have here recently in the United States a large influx of homeless people. Homeless. Now, if we were to define what home is this morning, we were to look into what it was, and you might define it as something like this. A home is a space used as a permanent or semi-permanent residence for one or many humans, and sometimes they're a companion animals. Now, what home is complete without your dog, amen? It is, or someone said, or a cat. I'm going to put cat out there to maintain peace in that space. <laughs> Chickens and goats, too? Now, that's stretching it. That's stretching it. Don't push it. <laughs> home is fully or maybe it is a fully or semi-social space. You can have both interior and exterior access to Home provides shelter spaces, for instance, rooms where domestic activity can be formed, such as sleeping, preparing food, eating, and hygiene activities as well as providing space. 
work and leisure, such as remote working, studying, and play. That's how our modern-day definition of home would be. With that being said, I've asked you to turn to Isaiah 66. Would you read with me verse 1? Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you would build me? And where is the place of my rest? Shall we go to the Lord's prayer? Our Father's heart in heaven, we come to you in Jesus' name. And I pray, Father God, this morning you hear our prayers. You told us in your word, where two or three are gathered in your name, there you will be with us. And I believe fully, Lord, with all of our hearts, you are right here in this sanctuary this morning. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit would move and touch each and every heart, Lord, if there be a single one, just one, you need to come to know you personally, Lord, and say that let today be that day. But perhaps there's one, Lord, that's watching online, and he or she's been afraid to come out, Lord, afraid to be in your house. Would you let today be the day, Lord? They come to know you personally, Lord. Perhaps, Lord, there's many of those who have other issues, other problems, hindrances in their walk with you. Would you let today be the day, Lord? Your work. Think, touch, and so Thus saith the Lord. I think that is the catchphrase of all prophets. Prophets are my favorite inside the Old Testament. They're Pokiki, if you read Greek, or if you're a Hebrew, they're not being. These prophets, they're not being. Thus saith the Lord. Boy, you ought to hear that phrase in Hebrew one day. Thus Saith the Lord, this is Isaiah 16, and he's actually given a word-for-word message from God. Thus saith the Lord. In other words, this is what God says. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? Where is the place of my rest? When I think of houses, I think of homes. Now, I grew up in a childhood where we were moving every 18 months to two years. We did not stay set and put in any place. The reason why is my father was military. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We would get up, we'd move, we were gone somewhere. 18 months, two years came around, we were PTSD somewhere. Some of you grew up like that as well. I remember when my father retired from the military, and because we had known nothing but military, every 18 months to two years, my dad would say, we got to go somewhere. This place is getting old. I watched that carry on into my adulthood because that was a life cycle that I had become accustomed to, become used to. So we would get up and move every two years when we came to Texas. Remember in Texas, we said, well, why'd y'all stay in Texas? Because it's hot. Everywhere I was before I got to Texas, it wasn't hot. Oh, we had some warm summers, but they don't know what hot is. don't know what hot is. But my point is this. When we start thinking of home or house, who one looks like to you? What comes to your mind? Perhaps this one does. Well, that's a man so much that I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I don't want the air conditioner building that way. Robertson Avenue's AC bills are big enough. I'm going to see that. That reminds me, if you're not in the room, turn the air conditioner off. No, what comes to mind when you think of home? Some people 
next song. What about this one? What about that one? That's the Beverly Hillbillies house. Oops. So I got that song, Beverly Hillbillies. You know, right when he goes out shooting at the ground and hits the bubbling crude oil. Let's begin with this morning's message. I remember our first first home next to my first home, not my family's first home, but my first married home. I remember what it was like. It really was a home. It was an efficiency apartment. Howard Payne University, 1102 5th Avenue, apartment number 7. It was the smallest little piece of junk you ever knew. The cinder block building, so it was always cold. Always cold until it got hot, and then it was it didn't cool down again until it got cold. Because the bricks would get hot, it would just radiate heat all night long. Some of you lived in those cinder block buildings, you know what I'm talking about. We lived in the sixth department, it wasn't much bigger than all these, it's actually smaller than the stage here. We had a bedroom which served as a living room. And let me tell you, we'd have guests come over and I'd tell them, please don't sit on my bed. I sleep there. I sleep there. I don't want you sitting in the house. That's where my head goes. Don't sit there. You know? We had something that we called a couch. It was really a park bench. It was picked up. It was wooden. And uh, it served as our couch for years. And we had a kitchen and we had a bathroom. And it was our home. We lived there 13 years. My first child was born and we brought a home there. I remember what Betsy said. We came all the way to Copper Cove. Uh, she actually wanted to clean the Metroplex, which is now Advent Health, and that's where our first son was born. We drove from Brownwood all the way there. Betsy was in labor, and the whole time driving from Brownwood, I sang Christmas songs to her. Betsy didn't hear a single word. And we delivered our first son, and she did. We went home the next day. And uh, when we got home, Betsy started crying. And I would have even seen her in the apartment. I said, what is wrong? She said, what are we going to do now? She said, we're going to leave. We're going to run. She said, we're going to Lo and behold, three more were came left later on. We're still out of money. <laughs> I remember our, our second home was another apartment. It was a little bit bigger. It had a separate bedroom. That made us happy. We stayed there about two years, right about two years, and then we finally got a house. A three bedroom. It was a rent house, of course. It was as old as the suit you know. And uh, was in the worst neighborhood in Brownwood. I shared a little bit my Sunday school about the kind of neighborhood we lived in. It was not a good neighborhood. Next door to two, counting two castle houses. Of course, we weren't told that until we signed the lease. So it was very uncomfortable, and a lot of times Betsy would not go out in the car on the sidewalk for that. Uh, and that is still the tradition we have. I usually go out with her and usually wait for her to pull into the driveway for 25 years. People have asked me all the time, why do you wait for your wife to come home? Well, I can't wait for her to come home. I mean, I'm excited when she texts me because I'm on the way. I am a blessed and lucky woman. But as you remember, your home was like, I want to ask you a few questions. And it's 
about what home would be with God. Perhaps you remember in Genesis. Uh, we started out in Genesis 6 1. Where God says, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my foot. Where is the house? The home you will build for me. As you remember from Genesis, God came down and walked with Adam in the coolness of the day. I know you know this because. I would if I had a choir back here say I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm not. I'm preaching to you this morning. And I know that you've been to Sunday school, and I know that you've read some of your Bibles. In fact, in the year 2023, we have more biblical experts than we do preachers and teachers. So we know then that God came down and He walked with Adam in the fullness of the day. He would take Adam to the river, as we see, as we see in Genesis, and name those rivers and told Adam where the animals were, and Adam got to name those animals. And also showed Adam where his places were, you know, the gold of his land's foot. It was kind of like God was camping back. Remember now we're talking about home? So it's kind of like God was camping with him. Now, I'm going to use that word loosely, kind of. Kind of like camping. Now, talking a little bit about camping this morning because a lot of you get on the person. Some of you went camping. We don't go camping anymore. We go glamping. Someone say amen. What is glamping? What happens? Tent with an air conditioner. Say amen. So, but it's kind of like God was camping because He wanted to be with Adam. He wanted to be around Adam. The whole point of it was to be with it wasn't so that Adam was comfortable that God came down in the coolness of the day. It wasn't that God had to be comfortable that it was too hot for God. No, no, no. No, he came down where Adam was comfortable. He came down where Adam would have the most out of that relationship. He came down where Adam would learn the most about him. And he would walk with Adam. He would talk with Adam. You ever sang that song? I come to the garden alone. It's about getting in a right relationship with God. And it's almost like you're back in the Garden of Eden, walking and talking with him alone.
somewhere down the line, Adam thought the world was more important than God. Somewhere down the line, Eve thought what was in the world, the things made by God, was more important than God. The Bible tells us in Genesis 6, verses 5 and 6, God was the father of the made man on the earth. He was breathed in his heart. So it's kind of like the camping didn't work. Kind of like, I want to be with you and I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to come down where you are in sort of a primitive camping. You ever been primitive camping before? Surely you have. Remember, we're talking about homes this morning. Home, sweet home. We're talking about a home. You ever went camping before? You know that kind of camping where when you're tired, you just throw out your bedroom and go to sleep. You've been in the army and you've done that. Nope, I got an amen from the baby. Praise God. <laughs> So, you know what it's kind of like. There's nothing like that when fathers and sons do that. And they just walk until their legs get tired, and next thing you know, they're like, we'll build a camp right here. And it was cool, right? It was a father-son kind of getting together, kind of fellowshipping, kind of growing together, kind of bonding moment. So it was with God and Adam. Primitive kind of camping. I'm here with you. I'll reveal to you everything about this for some reason, man kept pulling away. Man kept pulling away. Well, later on, though, God still shares with us that He wants to be near us. Now, there's a problem, though. There's a problem, and it's going to be more revealed as we get later on in the story. There's a problem because not only is mankind pulling away, but something is now filling the gap. Something is now getting in the way, and incidentally, it's in the way between you and God. Right? Now, it's been blocking you for years. It's been hurting you for years. It's poison, and it's killing you. So, the primitive camping, let me just walk with you in the coolness of the day, and when you get tired, Adam will just drop right there and sleep. What you want to know, Adam, I'll share with you. I'll hold your hand. I'll fellowship with you. I'll talk with you. For some reason, Adam and Eve start pulling away. A lot of people say, well, the snake came and beguiled them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Somewhere down the line. Somewhere in the midst of that, the things of the world started getting to be a little more important than God. Is that describe you online? You were praying. You were in God's house. You were with God's people. You were worshiping. Oh, my goodness, you were teaching. And then slowly but surely, the things of the world got a little more important. To the next thing you know, you are so far away from God. Am I talking to you this morning? Am I preaching to you this morning? Look with me. Exodus 25 is okay. This is later on. Because God still has a desire to be with us, to walk with us, for us to know Him. I promise you, God knows you. Exodus 25, eight. You know, the primitive camping didn't quite work because mankind just pulled away from it. I don't know why. There was nothing hidden between man and God. Can you imagine that? That's what we want right now. That's what every church wants. We want to walk with God in the coolness of the day. Somebody say amen. That's going to be your Christian, Christian prayer. God, I want to know you. The power of your name. Later on, God says, I still want to be with you. 
You ever go to the heart doctor? He says, you got plaque in your veins. He says, quit eating those Twinkies, boy. There's a problem. It's causing the sin. See, sin is what's keeping us away from God, and sin is what's keeping us from being with God, but we are the ones creating sin. Here's the problem. See, I'm not talking to you this morning. Am I reading your mail this morning? After I was with God, and I want to be back with God, now I feel like I'm a million miles away. Let me tell you something. Guess who is? Not God. Not God. He's still in the, I want to be with you. You have that separation now. And the more God reaches out, it seems like the more we pull away. That stuff that now comes into the scene is called sin. Can't be there. Take a look at me in Psalm 5, verse 4. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. You're going to be with me, and you want me with you. Then you've got to get rid of the wickedness. You've got to get rid of the sin. It's got to be taken care of. It's got to be removed. It's got to be eradicated. You want to get a little clearer? Well, not Isaiah. So let's look at Isaiah 59. Let's take a look at verse 2 here. But your iniquity, says the prophet, your lawlessness, your sin has separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You want to see it in the New Testament? Look at me in Hebrews 7, verse 26. For such a high priest, we're talking about Jesus here, was fitting for us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled. Finish it with me. Separate from sinners. always been the problem. God gets closer. We say, wait a minute. I don't really know if I want to see you. I'm not talking to you. Now, you should remember, if you're a Bible reader, that when God started building that tabernacle, when God started building that, He said, Moses, you tell the people not to come near. Because if they do, I'll break them. They're not. Don't come near. He said, don't touch the mountain. You must be clean. Moses, make me a sanctuary, a place like you can. Well, as you probably guessed, from the scripture I just gave you, man began to withdraw from God as a tabernacle as well. You want to read a little bit about it? Look at First Samuel. Love First Samuel, chapter one, two, and three. Samuel the prophet gets reared by Eli. And the first prophet he gets is Eli has allowed his son to bring sin to the house of God. Man begins to withdraw. In fact, he goes off with this very powerful and scary description of the light of God. It's almost Instead of getting closer, even though God is trying to get closer, He keeps drawing further and further away. But what happens next? 
primitive camping, glamping. Oh, you guessed it. God doesn't stop. Let me tell you something about God the Father. Are you ready for this? This may surprise you. He will never give up on you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You're not saying, well, Pastor, I read in the book of Romans that he'll give me up to a reprobate mind. You bet he will. If you can taste him, taste of his goodness, and turn around and act like the world, then you deserve to feel like being alone for a little while. What happens when glamping? Shalomo, Solomon, had finished praying. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. So it's no longer primitive camping. It's no longer glamping. Now we got permanent structure. Perhaps it looks, in our ideas, if we're looking at tents and planting, perhaps it's an apartment now. It's a home. Some people enjoy apartment living. God bless you. Did I like it? Not really. The only thing good about it is that I didn't have to motograph. Amen. <laughs> Pastor, do you motograph now? No, i got two more sons at home. Do I get I use kid powder whenever possible. That's right. Build me a temple. In case you were in doubt, Isaiah is way up in Way up in temple. He still says, Where's the house you're going to build for me? Where is the home you're going to give me? You want to be near me. I want to be right where you are. And a lot of times we forget about that with God. God wants to be right where we are. And we need to find out of you, just like the Israelites do. Like those at the temple, the Jews did. Jesus went further and further away. What fills the space? Sin. Instead of drawing us closer to God, which is God's design, and He should be doing that, supposed to do that, we, however, rebel and draw further away. And here's the problem God wants to be near us, we have to have God to survive. Sin has created a separation, and we now have a nature to distance ourselves from God. It's amazing to me when I witness nowadays in the city of Carpenter's Cove, one out of every three people I witness to will simply say, I don't believe. I don't want to hear. I don't care. And I have a nature to distance ourselves from God. I even had one person I witnessed to. She had Bible verses tattooed up her arm. She said, I don't believe that about God. As though she could make how she wanted God to be. Let me tell you something. God wants to be near us. We have to have God's survival. In fact, you told me about that. I used to scripture on that. I don't need to give you a scripture. I need to give you a name. Emmanuel. God is with us. God wants to be near us. We have to have God to survive. You understand? We have to have God to survive. You would look at the rest of creation. Fish made in the element of the sea has to be in the sea to survive. Animal kind raised 
from its ground, has to be out in the wild to survive. Mankind made directly from God. We've got to be with God or we will die. Sin is creating separation and we now have a nature to disconnect us from God. So logically then we say, what could God do best? We have primitive camping, mankind pulls itself away. We have glamping, mankind pulls itself away. We have an apartment, mankind pulls itself away. Well, to be honest with you, none of those. Because we're just going to pull away from None of those. God says to Isaiah the prophet, Where is my house? Where is my home? Understand? Originally, God wants to be near us. Originally, though, all those were to draw men to God. God is going to build a new home. In fact, He's already building it. Not, understand, it's not to draw men to a building, but to place himself in building. So, where will God build this place? Where will he build that? Well, they're looking at me like a cowboy, a brand new building. Some of you are looking at me, like I said last week, like a Dallas cowboy does a gold. Will God build this home? Where will He do it? Where will He build this home? Well, take a look with me in John 1 and verse 14 as we begin the journey of the gospel, of the good news, of redemption, of how God counteracts that problem that has separated us, that keeps us away. God wants to be near us deep down inside. We want to be near God. But now we have this nature that says, I can't trust God. I can't believe God. God won't do it for me. He'll do it for somebody else, but He won't do it for me. Am I talking to you this morning? How is God going to handle that? Well, let me tell you, God's already handled it. Where will God build this home? John 1 14 tells us, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You can read Greek understand the word dwelt means tabernacle. Uh, it's almost like it's in Saudi Arabia. And tabernacle. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace. So we begin to see now. God wants to be near us. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. However, we still have this sin problem in here. Sin still separates because God is still holy. And somewhere down the line, the modern day church has forgot to preach that. We've taken that out of the equation and we say, God wants you to be near Him. God wants to be near you. But we forget to tell people that God is holy and what is unholy cannot come to a holy God. There's got to be some There's got to be Let me tell you how God says, where's my house? Look with me again in Isaiah 57. I love the prophet Isaiah and the word he gives to us. So clear, so concise, so perfect. Look with me in Isaiah 57, 15. He says, thus saith the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell. This is God speaking now. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has 
the contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God said, I dwell with those who are brokenhearted, those who are repentant, those who have known that they have pulled away, and I have repented. In the end, Jesus speaks to his disciples. Not in the words of Isaiah, but in plain words. I love how Jesus speaks. This is in John 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and, help me out here, make our home with him. Make our home with him. See, God wants to be near you, but you got that problem. That problem is keeping you away from God. That problem that has separated you that we've read about, that separates us from God, that causes God not to even hear us. How can we get rid of that problem? A lot of people tell me all the time, how do you know God's going to live with you? How do you know God will be in me? Is that when God wants to build that new home? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Take a look at you in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? You are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. You're the new home. You're the sanctuary that He was wanting. You're the picture of the tabernacle that goes over top, but you are. You're the one that's supposed to live holy now. You're the one that's supposed to give a place for Him to be. And remember, God's house has to be perfect. Remember what he said to Moses, see that thou do it according to the pattern shown me in the mountain. Then that's the reverse. You can't do it because God. You can get inside. You can clean every orifice you have. You can wash every piece of dirt away on you. You can wash your hair, not just with Pantene. You can wash it with dishwasher. John is still working. You can wash it with anything. And it won't make you clean. God's house has to be perfectly according to God's plan. Sin has to be removed, and you can't do it. In fact, the Bible tells us that. Psalm 127, in the very first part of verse 1 of Psalm 127, tells us, Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor and labor in vain. Are you following me? Are you following God's plan? I want to be near you. I'm going to build a house somewhere, but there's this problem between us, and that problem's got to be eradicated so that I can be with you and you can be with me. God wants to be near you. The sin problem has to be remedied. See, the home can be built. You've seen it in the scripture. I want to dwell with you. If you love me and keep my commandments, then me and my Father will come into you and make our home with you. But not all of these sin problems go. How did God remedy the self problem, the sin problem, the selfishness problem, the withdrawal problem, where people would pull away from God and now all of a sudden they want to pull to God? Have you noticed that in the Christian? Or am I preaching to myself? When somebody becomes truly saved, they have a desire to be in God's house. They have a desire to be with God's people. They have a desire to read God's Word. They have a desire to do godly things, not the other way around. Lost people hate God's house, hate God's people, hate God's Word, hate doing godly things. Why? Because they are pulling away from God. 
God wants to be near you. Here's how he wants to be near you. I think it's amazing. I think it's phenomenal. I want somebody to be saved and make some changes on this music. Oh, don't get me wrong. Saved people have problems with sin. Saved people fall. Saved people make mistakes. And out of a sudden, their nature is no longer to pull away from God, but to be willing to be closer to God. And they're willing to do anything it takes to get closer and closer and closer to Him. Why? Why? That's the Bible tells us why. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? Because it's written in the book of Romans. tells us. Romans 5, verse 8. God demonstrated His love for us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us in Romans 10 and verse 9 that if you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. The Bible tells us in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, which you've already seen. He loves you and He wants you near Him. The problem is that sin's got to be eradicated. But what did God do to eradicate the sin? Well, let me tell you what He did. He came down. He became flesh. He, instead of drawing away from God, He drew closer to God as His Son lived a perfect life and now is willing to allow you to die and have your life exchanged for His. So what's that written? God made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that we who are sin could become the righteousness of God in Christ. In other words, his life for ours, so that he can live with us and we can live with him. And the sin problem is done. Now, to finish the story, Revelation 3, verse 20, I know you know it's coming up. Jesus says, Behold, the door is I want to live there, and I want to make you my home, and I want you to be close to me, and I want to be close to you. I'm standing at the door, and I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. I will eat and sleep him. And then you look at Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4. Through wisdom, the house is built, the Bible says. And by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Get the picture here. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 1, verse 7, the beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. Do you want to be wise? Start drawing nearer to the Lord. Start understanding that He's holy. He wants you to be holy. Understand that He wants you to live with Him, and He wants to live with you. And you start having a house that gets full of precious and pleasant riches. What is that knowledge? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Can I ask you a question? I'm not talking to you this morning. He said, Pastor, you've been preaching to me, and all my life when someone would talk about God, I'd fool away. That's because of your nature. Right now, can you hear Jesus knocking on the door of your heart? Let me come in, and I will make a home with you. Me and my Father will make a home with you. I'll eradicate that sin problem, and you can be close to God, and you can be one with God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And let me tell you, He does not leave, nor does He ever forsake His children. Would you be willing to become a child of God this morning? Perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian, but I have turned away. I have begun to walk away. 
and my relationship with God is so distant, will He take me back? And the answer is yes. Are you willing to come? You're willing to get it right. Have to say, Brother Josh, I'm a Christian and I'm right with God, but I need a church family. I need a church fellowship. You know what else? Just, just for a minute, just humor me for a second. We call the church the house of God. Do you know why we call it the house of God? Because the temples of God meet in here and worship. And let me tell you, when the temples all get together, every temple has its own praise. Think about that for a second. You've been to a different church? There's a different culture of praise that's in there. That means there's a different culture of praise in each and every one of you because each and every one of you are an individual temple. Remember 1 Corinthians 3.16? And when you get together and you start praising God your way and the guy next to you starts praising God his way and the lady next to you starts praising God her way, could you imagine the kind of praise that's in the house of God today? That's why church worship is so beautiful. That's why you get drawn to it. You say, man, I want to worship like that. Man, I want to sing like that. Man, I want to teach like that, preach like that. I want to be like that. Get yourself in God's house. I said, Pastor, I need a church like that. Well, you know what? We're the best kept secret in public service. Pastor said, Brother Josh, I am a church leader. And I am saved because I need to go forward with that. Are you willing this morning to come and say, I need to be back? Whatever the case may be, we're going to have a word of prayer. He has spoken to you. Would you be willing to come this morning? Let's pray together. Father, I come to in Jesus' name, and I want to thank you, Lord, for your word. I'm asking you to take charge even now. If there be anyone that is far away that you wish to bring near, Lord, any, Lord, that has stepped away from you, would you draw them close to you? I pray, Father, you take charge, that you be glorified, that you reach out and speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. you come with these things, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Come on. Come on. Home sweet home. Have a home with God.
getting ready to leave about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock or not, we go up to Waco to see our uh, full circle speaker at a large, that means last name, and we got to see him in the video. And so I'm, I'm very, very excited about seeing that. You can join us in that. Uh, we're going to carpool or convoy or something of that nature out of the parking lot there uh, to go up to that church in Waco. If you need uh, information on it, or email us out this morning on the address of exactly where we're going. If not, grab me at the end of the service, I'll provide that physical uh, information for you so you can go and have that in your hand. Um, and if you're not, then don't forget services this afternoon on campus so that we have opportunities for those to go see that church at the Christmas time. Um, let's close in that word of prayer, and I will see you hopefully in just a little while in the parking lot. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, and Lord, have a thank you for this day. Thank you for your word, Lord, and ask you to reach out and touch each and every heart, Lord, and draw us back to you. Father, so be with those, Lord, that have stepped away, and let Savior and the Lord, come back. I also pray, Lord God, to be any that have heard the word, Lord, that have been living so far away from you, and are not saved. I pray, Father God, you teach them, and that you would bring them to you. I ask you to go with us, let them depart your house, Lord, and bring a special back to them to have to worship you. As we give you the praise, honor, and glory, and